From the Transverse Network, this is The Transgender Show, an interview program about gender discovery and self-acceptance. I'm your host, Emily. This week on the show is artist and streamer Lacey Artemis of ArtemisCreates.com. Hi, hon. Hello. So nice to be here. It's so wonderful to have you here. Thank you so much for agreeing to do the show. I really appreciate it. So let's get started. Let's, let's start off with a really simple one. How do you identify? I identify as a trans feminine. Um, I don't identify as a not as a binary trans woman, um, but nothing against that. It's just for me, I realize that that trans feminine is the label with all considered that that feels like the best fit for me and and non-binary, I guess, as well. <laughs> okay. So I like to start at the beginning now also um, early on in the show with one of my favorite questions. How did you choose your name? So yeah, this this comes up on Twitter uh, semi-regularly, and uh, basically when I was trying to pick my name, uh, a lot of the the very common popular names like Katie and Sarah and Emily and Sophie and, and Ashley, like those very like kind of feminine girly names, like a lot of them appealed to me, but I either already knew a lot of people with that name or I had family members with that name. And so um, I, and I also wanted something a little bit less common and mm-hmm. to, to be honest like i actually really do love lace like the actual like fabric or texture or whatever whatever it be considered uh i've, I've always loved it and the name lacy it, it it looks great in cursive and that's another thing i love so oh nice <laughs> um, yeah it just it just it stuck it worked that's the true sign of a good graphic designer is that you know you're thinking of your name in terms of how it will look in in different forms and different fonts and things like that i love that (laughs) so moving on when did you realize you were different and what were the the early clues for you so yeah i i was trying trying to think about if i want to order this like chronologically or uh it was roughly four years ago uh when i or four four and a half years ago when i officially started identifying as non-binary and about six months after that i kind of cracked my egg completely but um i the signs were kind of there probably from as early as i can sort of remember being a young kid and Hmm. and uh just never feeling like like masculinity especially like macho masculinity it never appealed to me it never felt like that was just not i don't i don't want to be that i don't really want anything to do with that and but the 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 weird part because a lot of a lot of people on trans people it's like no that's not me this is me i'm supposed to be this instead and for me it was just that part wasn't there for some reason i don't know why exactly it was just well no this isn't me but but that's kind of and i was just like okay but i i didn't at that time, I didn't feel like, no, I'm supposed to be a girl instead. But, you know, kind of looking back, um, there, there were other signs, like, I always preferred the company of girls, and I, I tried to live vicariously through, through girls in my life, a lot, and women in my life. And, and kind of once I was in my kind of mid to late 20s, I started to, like, notice, like, women's fashion, women's clothing and styles and colors, and just, like, it just it spoke to me it it caught my attention and i just started to look like if you know if to, to use a simpsons reference there's that episode where they uh they have these like really boring uniforms at school and everyone just kind of becomes like a zombie and then they get rained on and then they turn into technicolor and everyone just kind of like wakes up and that's kind of how it felt to me when i start like i started noticing girls clothes and i looked at guys clothes just like this is so boring and uninspired. There's just, it's lifeless and no offense to any masculine or male identifying people that are watching. Just, you know, that's just how it was for me. And um, once I, you know, uh, for me, the moment was going to a thrift store and trying on a dress for the first time. And it just, it clicked. Hmm. And what brought that on? How did you get to the point of trying a dress on in the shop? Uh, yeah, so there was a private event being organized by a friend of mine that was basically for all like queer, trans, non-binary, uh, and like agender people, and it was being held at a private space. So um, you could come and you could, you know, dress however you wanted. You could even, you know, if you were kind of gender fluid, you could kind of change throughout the event, that sort of thing. And and I knew that I wanted to go and use that opportunity to to try you know, being a woman, and so I needed to get some some attire for that. and. And that, uh, that's why I needed to go and get a dress. <laughs> Very cool. Um, yeah, I love that, that that was sort of your first, your first attempt and, and first expression was just going straight for the dress. That's awesome. 
When you first realized that you were trans, did that cause any issues for you? Did that bring up any kind of fears or anything? I mean, you know, under the trans umbrella. I mean, I suppose, like, obviously before I came out, um, I was, you know, the usual concerns, like, I'm not sure how my family's going to take this. I'm not sure how it's going to go over at work. And, um, but I, I wasn't so much nervous about it socially because I had, before I, like, part of me coming to identify as non-binary was, like, meeting lots of other non-binary, queer, trans people and just opening up my mind to those possibilities more. And instead of it just being, well, that's just how some people are, it's like, well, that could maybe be me. And does do I want that to be me? And um, I was very fortunate because one of my boss's best, like close personal friends was a trans woman uh, that she'd known for, for years already. Mm -hmm. And my family was, was pretty good. I mean, certainly I know that's, that ends up pretty badly for a lot of people. And yeah. Um, and and what I did notice, and it kind of makes sense, is that you know the the younger people in my family, like my sister and my cousins, were a lot more able to roll with it. And like my my parents and my aunts and uncles were, um, they they try to be supportive, but they were also kind of just like, I don't really know what to do with this. Because mm -hmm. you were at that point, you were de defining yourself as non-binary. Um, I didn't come out to my family that way. Um. It was because I was still kind of figuring things out, but then once yeah. I realized, like, no, I need to like live as a as a like a girl, a feminine person, um, then it was like, okay, well, this is obviously going to be a, a total change from what everyone's used to. So um, I I had to, <laughs> you know, come out with it. Mm -hmm. And then, so you kind of alluded to that um, you, your story coming out was actually it sounds like it was pretty easy, right? Um, from from the from the kind of stories and, and the the you know the, what I've heard from other trans people, I I do. It seems like I was in the in the very like one, probably the luckier minority, um, kind of all considered. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Who did you come out to first, and what was that? What made what prompted that choice? I think the first people that I kind of came out to. I mean, it's been four years now, and my my long term memory kind of sucks, but. Um, I think it was just when I was first starting to like look for places that I could be the the new me kind of thing. So uh, like events for you know new or questioning um, youth, um, or like actually one of the groups, one of the first groups I went to was uh, I think it was called Autistic Queers. So it was a group for autistic people who were also gender nonconforming in some fashion. Mm -hmm. Um, and I made a couple of, uh, friends from, from that, that, uh, were really helpful for me in kind of my first year or so. And then I, for as for my friends that I already knew, it was kind of a, a slow, careful process of kind of first coming out to like, you know, maybe about a half dozen really close personal friends yeah. who I was very confident would be cool with it. And then mm -hmm. there was sort of like tiers of like, okay, the next tier of people that I think are probably going to be cool with it. But, and then sort of further and further. And then once I had, you know, kind of gained enough confidence from um, coming out to these, these several like layers and waves, then it's like, okay, now it's just, I just going, I'm going all out now. <laughs> yeah, it's funny you, you mentioned that. And I've never thought of this before, but yeah, that, that's sort of how you, you do it. You start with the core and then you, and then you go out very much like planning a wedding. <laughs> They're like the family people that you have to invite. And then there's like, oh, if we invite them, we have sort of have to invite these people. And then like it changed into um, a, a whole bunch of people. But that's kind of awesome. I love that. I love that I finally kind of saw that tie in in a funny way. Who was the hardest person for you to come out to? I guess, like looking back at it now again, because my memory is really kind of hazy about it now. So the sort of most obvious answer that comes to mind for me is is my father, um, and that's not something I want to get too too deep into. But uh, mm -hmm. that that was, uh, I mean, not that he wasn't supportive in some ways, but it it didn't it still wasn't quite what I had had hoped. And um, yeah, that's. Yeah, I guess that's about what I'll say about that right now. Did you have anybody? I, I love asking this question because I've had some. I had some really kind of interesting people that I wasn't expecting to accept me, at least not to the level that they did. Did you have anybody like that that surprised you that to the level they accepted you? 
or the fact that they accepted you at all? Honestly, I was kind of surprised by my sister. And in, in looking back at it, it, it was kind of silly. Because, um, mm -hmm. like, my sister, she's a little bit more old-fashioned compared to me. But um, she's also shown me that, like, the way that she has, you know, raised her kids, that she's been extremely supportive and open-minded. And um, she even kind of said, I think, at one point that, um she appreciated that like as an opportunity to you know help encourage her kids to be more um like open to different things and um yeah and just i we my relationship with my sister has been kind of uh it, it used to be more sort of i don't know how to say it exactly like not bad but like it was we we've kind of we've bonded over certain things but we're not exactly like super close and mm -hmm. So it just, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't quite expecting her to be as supportive as she was, but I certainly appreciated it. You mentioned the, um, I forget what you called the organization that you joined in with. Was that your first community? And did that, did that, that community stick? Did, were you able to find a lot of friends from that? Yeah, I've, uh, I've actually still got several friends that I, that I met through that kind of, you know, autistic plus trans or autistic plus queer um, sort of network and circle. Mm -hmm. um, I, I do remember that there was one specific Facebook group that was just for like trans women who identified as generally more feminine and um, that I was very like in sort of the first, I guess, year or so I was very very active on there very like deep and, and trying to just connect with anyone on there who would connect with me and mm -hmm. just to kind of find that like that kind of acceptance and support and, and community and the memes and you know people answering questions and eventually I kind of reached a point where I felt more sort of I guess secure in kind of my the state of things and, and didn't feel like I needed as much support so I still had friends but um, yeah I kind of after about a year, year and a half, or maybe two years, I, I think I kind of graduated more just to like living my life and just having the friends I had and meeting new people along the way. But um, I don't spend a ton of time in uh, in kind of support groups anymore. Mm -hmm. When you were going through that and you were, you know, building up your network and finding community, did you have a particular person that you looked up to or a particular confidant that you could bounce questions off of? Um, yeah, when I was first starting to transition, I know the, like, Steph Senyati was a, was a prominent YouTuber. I know she doesn't do YouTube anymore. Mm. Um, there was also, I used to watch ContraPoints a while ago, and I kind of fell out of her stuff, um, kind of partly due to the controversy and partly because it's just hard to sit through really long videos. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but but uh, I, I did think some of her kind of earlier content was really solid. And yeah, the, the two people that I kind of met at that first Autistic Queers meeting, um, I'm still uh, sort of loosely in touch with one of them, but they were both uh, really helpful. And one of them actually helped connect me to the trans therapist uh, that I eventually saw to kind of help facilitate me through the you know, the first kind of year and a bit. Okay. And that was, yeah, that, that dovetails nicely to the next question, which was like, basically, how does, how did therapy play a part in your transition? Did you have somebody for that kind of side of things through, throughout all of it? Yeah, I actually ended up uh, with a, a trans man as a therapist, um, but he was really great and, um, wow. and, uh, and, and very like sensitive. And, and I certainly appreciated that. And, Again, it's. I, I wish that my memory was was better at this point because I know that's like probably like three three years ago now or something. And um, but I mean, it, it definitely helped. Uh, like kind of everything in, in confluence helped me uh, kind of reach a, a point where I felt like I was more able to continue sort of walking forward, uh, not entirely on my own, but uh, more independently. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So as you got into that, what did you kind of discover, or what? What were the innate things that you ran into that were your your key fears in transitioning? I think a lot of it was um, trying to like understand kind of the options with the, like the different surgeries or you know the the name change stuff like because uh, a lot of that was not well explained. Like you kind of have to go into the communities or the forums to kind of get information 
And then like some places would have like policies about like, you know, you can't make recommendations or you can't tell people to do a certain thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I mean, yeah, that, I think that's, that's obviously a big, a big kind of stumbling block for a lot of trans people is trying to figure out the surgery stuff and, you know, what surgeries like do you want and can you afford them or where are you going to get them? Or are you going to have support to kind of recover and things like that? And um, the name change again for me, it was very, it went very smoothly. And um, yeah, I think uh, that again, I, I'm I'm regretting that my memory is not uh, a little bit more um, firm at this point. Uh, hopefully, that answers the question, though. Yeah, yeah that that's totally good. Yeah, I just I just found out today. Um, I've had the paperwork on my desk for a while, but I just was was actually finally going through it and found out that my name change is going to be almost a thousand dollars. That's I guess it's is that specific to your your state or I guess so. Yeah. So apparently the court fees themselves are like four thirty five something like that, and then um, you have to publish four consecutive weeks in a newspaper one one day uh four consecutive weeks and the newspaper apparently charges like 350 dollars for that um Mm. and then i already like i was trying to make it super easy and simple in the whole thing and went through legal zoom and they gathered all the paperwork which was great but um that was like a hundred hundred twenty dollars i thought that was you know just gonna make it easy and whatever i didn't realize that there were all these other charges on top of it too Hmm. But yeah, I, I think here in Canada, I mean, I'm, I'm in Ontario and I can only speak for Ontario, but mm-hmm. I think it was something like maybe like $150 or, or something like that. That's what my memory is saying, but I don't know if that's correct anymore. But yeah, it was it wasn't a thousand bucks, man. That's <laughs> that's basically like uh, I mean, I think I paid like $2,000 for like a year of, of laser hair removal. So that's expensive. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think yeah, I think it. Um, I think that would pretty much finish my laser hair removal. Cause I'm I'm getting pretty close on, to the end on the on the beard here. I had one about a month ago, and it looks like I'm doing pretty well here. So it's just like yeah, yeah. I think another another few hundred dollars I'd be good. So I could probably even I could I could use that money to get done with laser and even probably put it, the rest towards FFS or something, but. Yeah, I actually still need to get a little bit of electrolysis because um, in case any of the, the, the viewers don't know, um, laser hair removal doesn't actually get rid of 100% of the hair. Mm-hmm. Some of it is still kind of left. It's just basically like little baby white hairs. Yeah. And like you can't really see them, but like I can still feel them and they bother me because like, I have a sense I have sensory issues. Um, so I still do kind of shave every few days, even though no one can really tell. But I want to eventually get them taken care of. So... <laughs> Well, yeah, it's just a matter of, you know, like right now I'm in that weird period where I'm, well, I'm old. So I have a lot of the white hairs coming in and, um, but I still have the black ones. So I have to do, um, I have to do foundation to cover it. And then if you've mm-hmm. got hairs coming through like the white ones, then, you know, you, you end up with kind of a bumpy complexion. It looks terrible. So mm-hmm. not fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, have your uh, transition goals shifted? as you've gone through, it sounds like they kind of have, it sounds like, you know, you, what, how you identified change, were there any things that you saw from the beginning that you thought you would do that you've kind of changed your mind on or the opposite where you didn't think you would kind of go to through certain steps and now you're looking forward to those? Um, I, I guess certainly kind of on the, like the surgeries front of things, um, I have, like, as you mentioned, I, I also would like to get some some facial feminization surgery, but that would have to be completely out of pocket. And I had a hair transplant, and that alone was like took me like two years to to pay off. Wow. Um, and, and I don't I don't really want to go through that again. Um, but at the same time, like like I know this is one of the later questions, but like my my brow bone is definitely like my most thing that causes me the most dysphoria. So. It's something I still I think about, but I'm like, I've kind of accepted it may never happen. And I'm kind of at peace with that. And kind of a similar thing for, you know, the 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 big surgery that takes the longest to recover from. Like, it's kind of a like, it'd be nice, but 
the the recovery aspect uh, has has kind of scared me off because like here in Ontario um, that that can be covered um, under health insurance so I wouldn't have to pay for that out of pocket but I would have costs incurred from you know the recovery and everything yeah um, there have been some answers in the chat but I thought it'd be interesting to bring up is it better to say yay hurrah when someone comes out um, or is something more akin to thank you for telling me nice to meet you Lacey better should we make their coming out in in terms in terms of themselves a big deal or is it counterproductive what are your thoughts on that I think for me it would depend on the person and kind of their like their disposition or their sort of vibe like certain people if when they, if when they come out, I would kind of expect them to be a bit more exuberant, and so I'd be like, "Oh yeah, awesome, woohoo, congrats!" Mm -hmm. And for other people, maybe it seemed more obvious, like it was a a more uh, deeply considered uh, like um, I don't know what the right I can't find the right words, but when it just if it had a bit of a more like not somber vibe, but a more just uh, cathartic vibe, maybe yeah. it, it would be maybe more just like you know, thanks for telling me, that's really that's really cool and. Um, you know, here for you kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really agree with that. And, and that came up in the chat too, is just that, um, that thank you for telling me, thank you for, for having the courage or, or for having the faith in me to feel that you were comfortable enough to tell me, I appreciate it kind of a thing. What are some of the key aspects of your life and your presentation that make you feel the most valid? Uh, well, I can definitely say that, that my hair is sort of the thing that gives me the most euphoria. Mm -hmm. That's um, a big help, it, right? <laughs> so, I, I, so I actually started growing my hair out, I think in grade 11 and I grew and I had like basically like metalhead hair. <laughs> um, and I had that for about, I think 10 or 12 years. And I, I was kind of going through this phase where, like I, I sort of blamed a lot of things on the wrong stuff and I kind of felt like, you know, I'm just having trouble with like dating and just, and kind of, I kind of got occasional comments about just, it, it didn't look good. And, you know, you look like a girl and stuff like that. And, and I kind of it got to a point where I just like, okay, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to try this. I'm going to go clean cut and short hair and, and see if it makes a difference and kind of try it. And literally within like, six months I was like that was a huge mistake mm -hmm. but I was in a job at the time where I couldn't have it back so I kind of had to just kind of live with it for a little while and then in my current job which I started it there's basically no like client facing aspect of it so it wasn't an issue and so I was able to start so it's literally taken me four years to get it back to this point and I just like it's such the point I'm so like attached to my hair that like even hearing of other people cutting there is like makes me just like don't stay away from me mm -hmm. <laughs> um and yeah and I guess like I I will admit and and, and I, I don't post a ton of selfies online for various reasons but um not having any like I don't wear much makeup but like not having any on definitely makes me feel uh like I look in the mirror makeup less and, and it's hard for me to see lacy a lot of the time still mm -hmm. um every once in a while i kind of get lucky and i catch the right angle but um yeah i, I feel like i might be diverting away from the original question now. <laughs> no and, and that's funny um it was a weird thing for me to kind of grasp and adjust to is those um both sides of that coin where fully done up and you know in a dress and everything and it's basically just as pretty as i can as i can make myself and i would just see a dude in the mirror it was just such a bummer um just so dysphoric and and deflating and then other times yeah. even even sort of unshaven i could walk past the mirror and i'd be like oh there she is <laughs> and it would just be at weird random times and i could never you know figure out what it was i know that hormones help with that and i wasn't on hormones at the time but there were just you know those days where you were just really settled into yourself and you really felt like you and then and you saw it in the mirror it's so wonderful to have that yeah so, you it's a, it's a good point with the hormones because i was just gonna say that was another really big one i think it took like at least a year a year and a half before my face was like noticeably different to me and, and, and kind of even without makeup, it's like, okay, at least that face is more feminine than it used to be. Mm -hmm. um, and I know that a lot of trans people, when they start hormones, it's this, this great impatience of like, okay, how, how quickly am I going to see these changes? And, 
and just being dying for them because they can be so validating. And I actually, I have a design in my merch store, which is, uh, it's uh, it's a play on the name uh, Estradiol Valorate. And I made a design that has the estrogen molecule and it says validate. So it's like Estradiol validates or estrogen validates. And it's a very like trans femme centric idea, but mm-hmm. uh I I kind of I kind of thought it was kind of cute, so I made a design out of it, and and it it is kind of how I feel. It's like estrogen is magic, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, and it's just kind of funny how it it does do those great things that you kind of aren't weren't expecting, um, you know. Because again, we've been fighting against this for so long, trying to fit into the the masculine ideal and all of that, and it just never felt right. And we just, you know, for for myself, I just felt less than always, and was. You know, like, why don't I understand life so well? And then um, you start on, on hormones and, and living as your true self. And it's just like, oh, okay, I get it now. Yeah, yeah, that's why it didn't make sense because it, it wasn't right. It didn't make any sense on any level, much less the, the parts that I was struggling with. Mm-hmm. So these days, what uh, we could sort of talked a little bit about it, but what are the key things that cause you dysphoria? Uh, yeah, like I said, definitely my, my brow bone. Um... I, I I feel like I, I people have told me that that it's not as bad as I think it is, but I know obviously we always are are more of our, like our harshest critic. Um, I I do kind of have like I mean I'm tall and skinny, so that does kind of work in in my favor um, in terms of being like more conventional feminine beauty. But mm-hmm. my kind of my structure and my proportions are like I kind of I can wear certain things to kind of cheat it, but if I'm like, even to this day, if I'm wearing like a loose top, even if there's like a bra underneath, I still am always like, you know, like I look flat and, you know, um, and still having a little bit of a bulge and like, I'm not as bothered by that anymore, but it's, you know, just sometimes just being aware of things that, that don't bother me as much, but I know that other people notice and yeah. will will not have the the reaction that I would that I would like or would not just you know not care like they should mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and like you know voice that I my voice uh, depending on the day sometimes it's more kind of where I want it to be and other times it's not and um, it's another thing that like you know I, when I do my show uh, I the show must go on so even if I don't like my voice mm-hmm. I just have to do it anyways and uh, you know, after many years of just, I've kind of gotten used to it more so, and yeah, that's what it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it, it, there's two things, and we did talk about this a little bit in the pre-interview about how, you know, when you go back and you listen to old tape or whatever, you realize that your voice, even it, even when you feel like it's deep, isn't as deep as it used to be. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, it's 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 hard. It it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of practice, and you know, I, I tend, I generally find that, you know, as the interviews go on, as we talk more and more, my, my voice gets tired, my throat gets tired. So it, it drops down. And then I just kind of like lose that focus. And then as soon as we bring it up, then it's just like, you know, right back up there. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a, a, an advantage of sorts on my show, because I'm the interviewer, so I can mostly let the guests just talk and I don't have to talk as much. But um, yeah, that's not always the case. <laughs> Apparently, I haven't really learned that trick. I talk, I, I feel like, a lot. <laughs> uh, I learned the hard way through just having to do so much extra editing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So through your transition, what are the things that you feel have been the biggest hurdles for you? Or, you know, if you didn't have, like, hurdles and, and blocks, were there learning curves, things that you had to kind of learn and get used to that you weren't expecting? I, I'd say one thing, and this this is something I've kind of heard as kind of common, is, like just suddenly like obviously like well i shouldn't say obviously uh we don't necessarily just have to be like oh i start, i have to i have to buy tampons now like you potentially do if you get bottom surgery but um but it's like you know just getting bras and like not knowing because just there's just, there's things that the girls learn when they're growing up that we don't get and so we kind of have to like figure that and it feels silly if you're like you know in your 30s or 40s and you're like just asking things that like a teenage girl knows yes <laughs> Um, and just feeling kind of silly, but also recognizing like, no, it's not, why would I know this? Why sh- I shouldn't ex- be expected to know this? Um, unless, you know, maybe you were much more like grew up more progressively and you talked to your female friends or your female siblings and, 
um, and kind of learn some of that stuff uh, peripherally. And I guess another thing is like, I just started using a, a period tracker app kind of sometime last year. And because I don't bleed, it's that's kind of the, it's the, the, the most obvious easy way to kind of know what's going on. Otherwise you kind of almost have to like guess a little bit. Um, mm, so, but then that's just kind of been interesting too. Because <laughs> you're still feeling emotional changes and stuff like that during that period. Well, it's just trying to figure out like, cause, because there's no blood. So it's like, there is a point where obviously I'm on my period, but there's not that, that super obvious signifier. So I have to figure out how else can I tell? And basically all I've been able to determine is like, usually for about three or four days, I'm just like, I'm normally very emotional already, but when I'm that, that kind of a small little window, it's just like, I am so overly emotional. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. I still gotta um, keep my eyes open for that. I don't know that my, that my hormone levels have balanced out enough or correctly to that point. I still need to get another blood test, but um, it's an interesting thing that I'm kind of, that I'm, I have to look forward to. Yeah. And, and I actually, another, another one that just sort of occurred to me, um, like, cause I've done both pill, uh, like sublingual pill estrogen and mm -hmm. I've done like injections and kind of like, there's some logistics to figure out there. Like, you know, how do you know the right place to put it? And do you do it like butt or thigh? And like, um, and then there's this thing I learned of literally just like for the first time last year called boofing. And I don't know where that term came from, but it's apparently very common. And so I'd be like, okay, what is that? And then, okay, I don't want to try that. And then, okay, does it seem like it's making a difference or not? And just, again, lots of stuff that you just have to suddenly be like, okay, I have to figure this out and, and start doing this. And um, just kind of out of nowhere, sort of. <laughs> So is is there a suppository version of estradiol, or are you just taking the regular pills? And oh no, that that was for progesterone. For progesterone, okay. <laughs> but you can also take that orally. It's just apparently not as effective, but it still works for me. <laughs> okay, you know we had uh, you you hit on something there with um, the injections that triggered some thoughts of what we talked about yesterday about the fears. And I know we hmm. kind of didn't cover this so much today, but um, I really loved, yeah, I. I I love that you were talking about that you had um, fears with the needles themselves, and if mm. you can expand on that if you if you'd like. But um, dating, you said you had a lot of fears of dating, and, and you you did kind of allude to the fact that you were struggling a little bit before. How did that play into your your transition, and how has that worked out for you? Do you want me to answer the needle thing first? Yeah, yeah, if you'd like to. <laughs> okay. I, I was just throwing that out yeah. there as, as a because that's what tr triggered my memory of of yeah, we yeah, about. no, it's. I was going to say, cause like, I, I, I'm pretty sure that most people do not like needles and mm -hmm. it's kind of just one of those things when I realized like, okay, this is the, like the, 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 the safe, well, not, maybe not the safest. This is the most, the most effective and, and best way to get estrogen as a trans woman or trans uh, feminine person uh, or potentially just non-binary, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and so I had to kind of get taught by a nurse, like how to do it. And then I started doing it myself. And like, I, I kind of like over time, I like, I, I guess I sort of like lost track of like where I was supposed to do it or like, cause I was always finding the spot while I was sitting down. And I started to realize that I was thinking that I was pointing to a certain part of my leg, but because of the way my leg had kind of like come to rest and how I was sitting that uh -huh. I was um and so I kind of had to like relearn because if you put the needle in and it hurts like that's a sign that you shouldn't have put it there and <laughs> that but a lot of times like well I don't want to have to do it again so I'll just I'll keep I'll just do it any I'll just do the injection anyways and one time I had like the the leg that I injected into like my my foot was kind of feeling a little bit like kind of tingly and, and like slightly numb and my leg that leg felt like a different temperature than the rest of my body it was this really weird thing and I was like Ooh. that doesn't seem like that should happen <laughs> and so I went to the emergency room and they like kind of checked everything out and it's like no because this was hours later like no you're fine and and because of that experience like I now I've kind of inst instituted like a bit of a, a rule or a practice that I try to do my injections before noon because at least that way I give myself you know, six to eight to 10 hours um, to, to, for anything, if anything's going to go wrong, I'll probably know it by then. Cause I don't want to go to sleep and not wake up. <laughs> That's like, I'm, 
I'm a hypochondriac and I'm, I get overly paranoid about things I shouldn't. Um, mm. And this is, so every time I do my injection, I still worry, is this going to be the time that I screw it up and I like inject into a vein or I hit a nerve or, you know, different things like that. And, and it feels stupid because I've been doing it for over two years now and never had a serious problem, but my brain just every time it's like, is this going to be the time? Um, I still do it though. So I guess that means, you know, the fear's not completely holding me back. Um, so that's kind of, kind of that the, the dating thing, like I kind of alluded to before, once I transitioned, like the first kind of year, I was just like, okay, I'm, I'm not even going anywhere near dating because I'm not like reformed yet. Like I'm in, I'm in flux and, and I don't expect anyone to like, kind of meet this like half transition me and be like, yes, I want to be with you. It just didn't seem like it could happen <laughs> or it was very unlikely. And so, but I like looking back, I just kind of realized like, well, like, of course, if you're trying to like, you know, be someone that's, that's not the right fit for you or that's not the right you or whatever, it would make sense that like, it would not go as well. And it would be, cause again, I was, I didn't realize that I was trying to live vicariously through women. And then, cause it was kind of this thought, like, honestly, there was times where it was like, if I did manage to get a girlfriend and she was like the kind of like feminine that like, I really kind of was drawn to that I ultimately kind of became then I was like well maybe that'll that'll scratch that itch enough for me that I'll be okay I'll be satisfied I won't feel so like kind of frustrated and like deprived and then when I like transition I'm like oh now I just I can just do it I can just be that now and and satisfy that that feeling and I still want to be with women but it's like now I don't have to live vicariously through them <laughs> anymore mm -hmm. um and yeah there's just this this honest this fear and it's it's a common thing talked about that I've seen that you know, dating is harder when you're trans because a lot less people are willing to date trans people and a lot more people are, you know, are concerned about like the genitals or mm -hmm. um, just, you know, that kind of stuff. And, and it's, I think it's getting a little, a little bit better, a little bit by little bit, but it's still like, just, I kind of realize, cause I'm also gray sexual and like autistic and like, you know, just a bunch of other categories that I kind of fall into that I sort of like I said this to my mom one time I was just like yeah I, I'm I'm just my my like kind of dating pool is very very small and I'm aware of this and I, just, I don't have a choice in the matter so I just have to try to make the best of it hmm. and then we've got a we'll follow that sort of more challenging one up with a big softball how do you feel that transitioning has affected your mental health uh yeah like i i know i was kind of saying in the the pre-interview that i i kind of look back on it and i don't feel like my entire time as a guy was terrible like i do have some happy memories and i did have some moments where i felt good but since becoming and living as a as a woman as like a feminine person it's just like it's almost entirely good it's like that's just not kind of hanging over my head anymore that frustration's kind of gone it's now it's more just a frustration of you know the way that the world sees me or the way that the world reacts to me but i feel like i'm in the right place now and um and like it's yeah so i think that's kind of you know what i've heard other people say too is just you know once you transition it's just a lot of this like this frustration that you didn't realize the true source of it and it just it just kind of lets all that air out of that balloon and you just can can move forward and have less things distracting you that's wonderful yeah and i, I just think that it, you know when you can really let yourself go into finding your true self it just it just makes everything better are there ways in which you feel like your transition has lived up to your expectations or any ways in which it's kind of fallen short of what you're hoping for it's lived up to my expectations i guess that i've been able to like come to be a person that is happier with themselves and feels more true and like i can look in the mirror and, and be like wow yeah that's that's what I want to see and and I feel uh, like kind of good and more fulfilled um, kind of more selfishly and vainly I you know I feel like I kind of got uh, shortchanged a little bit on the uh, the the chest growth uh, side of things but um, what are you gonna do <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's the the problem with especially like you know following a lot of girls on Instagram we always like to talk about that here about 
you can't control how your body reacts to hormones and things. And, mm -hmm. you know, you can't set up expectations of trying to achieve a certain look or anything when you have no idea how it's going to go for you, how the hormones are going to affect you. And so it's just more about accepting yourself than, than kind of setting those, setting those goals um, that are things that you honestly, there's no way that you can live up to it. What advice would you have what advice do you have from your journey to pass on to young or closeted trans people out there? I think this was actually the one that I wrote down some stuff for, because I also ask about uh, this on my show, because I think it's a very valuable uh, thing. And so I kind of have this concept on my show of like hype hats and heavy hats. And the idea you mean like hype hats are people that hype you up and encourage you and really try to like help you reach your, your best potential and heavy hats are kind of the opposite of people that slow you down and make you doubt yourself and, and kind of t knock you off course. And so I've rec come to recognize how valuable those hype hats are, those people who will pump you up and cheer you on and, and want to see you succeed and be your best self and people who get it and, and kind of get you. And um, I have my, the next episodes coming out, I'll kind of spoil something that the, the guest said that, you know, if, if your friends or people around you uh, seem like to react negatively when you say like you, you want to try something new or you want to do something a little different, then that's maybe a sign that, uh, you know, they should be excited and they should be like, um, you know, wanting to, to see that uh, from you, like growth and, and change. And you know, community, obviously, like I said, is very important. Uh, support groups were so, so crucial. And, and I know that some people live in like, you know, more remote or smaller towns and, and don't really have much locally. And so they're kind of, they have to find what they can find online. And, yeah. um, you know, depending on what you kind of already know, how what you know to like search for or what to think of, um, like it's it's all out there, but can you find it by chance? Can you find it by, by smarts? Um, but, you know, just try to try to find the community where you can make friends and uh, find cheerleaders and, and be patient and be brave. That's, that's what I wrote down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All very good points. Yeah. It's all about having, like you said, you having that, that core group of supporters, the people that you know are going to support you because you're going through so many struggles on your own. You don't need more of those kind of people that are kind of slowing or, or weighing you down or making you question things when mm -hmm. you're just basically questioning everything already. And, um, um, yeah, just the other thing I, I do love to talk about patience, uh, patience in people accepting you, you know, allowing them time to do that. And then uh, patience with the hormones and the changes and finding yourself. And like you, you alluded to as well, we we were going through a puberty really fast and cis women had their entire lives to learn these things slowly and subtly. And we're all, we're trying to do a, a crash course in it. So it's a good, yeah. good thing to remember. So, something that you just kind of made me think of that uh, I, I don't think about it too often, but like something that has occurred to me at various times throughout transition was just this, this idea that like, you know, as you know, once you've transitioned your whole life, you've gone into like one change room, you've been around, you know, one, one gender, quote unquote. And then suddenly now it's like, oh, well, now if I went to, you know, a public pool with my, my family or my friend, well, more so my family, like I'm not used to going into like change rooms with my, my mom and my sister, but now I would, and, and I, it hasn't happened yet, but it just occurred to me that that is like a, a change that would happen now. And it would be that's kind of like weird because that's not the sort of thing that that usually happens for for cis people mm -hmm. uh, and just like to to kind of reorient in my mind that like yeah now this is like okay and now like i it would be inappropriate to you know go into the the change room with like boy cousins or whatever <laughs> yeah yeah so that's a random thought but yeah <laughs> it's sort of one of the the learning curves i think you know the, yeah, the things that you gotta you 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 suddenly remember you know where you are and and things like that of like oh i guess i can't really do that anymore i guess it's sort of sort of in a way inappropriate now for me to to do these things and then yeah. you know allowing yourself the permission to remember that now that you're on the other side that certain things are allowed now 
yeah so we have, like i said we have a does this person in the chat and they asked kind of a basic question about about being trans and um I, you know it's not something that we particularly answer on this this channel a lot so i thought it would be worth it to bring it up especially since someone is actually interested and um, we always appreciate when people want to become educated and want to learn about it so they ask and I'm just assuming because Ryan is the beginning part of your your username that I could that your name is Ryan. So I hope if um, I hope I can call you that. And if not, let me know in the chat. They ask, OK, so if you're transgender, you you identify as the opposite gender. Um, but do you still feel deep inside? Um, basically, uh, do you still feel a tie to your original gender? And I'll let you answer and then I'll answer my own on that one so what that kind of made me think of was you know the times when don't do i don't do this all that often but whenever i do end up looking back at you know old pictures of me and and i've, I've described this to different people is like it feels like i'm looking at pictures of a brother that i used to have mm -hmm. and not like not me old me and and like you know even my sister is kind of asked like you know when i'm talking about you from you know, when you were a kid, I still think of you as, you know, dead name. And I still, cause that's who you were then. And like, I know that this is different for different people. Um, some people like, no, I was always this. I was always this name, this pronoun. Um, I am a little bit more kind of nebulous with that stuff. Um, but I guess, yeah, I, I, like to me, my old self feels like this, this brother that I, that I used to have who isn't around anymore. And that's, that's kind of, you know i guess about as far as i really think about it anymore I, I had those experiences but um i've been very much more focused on kind of the present and and the future mm -hmm. now yeah that that makes a lot of sense and and that's just uh there's so many thoughts there's so many thoughts but you know the first one i i think is that you we we mentioned earlier in the chat and maybe ryan wasn't quite in here yet at that point but that um you know, you spend your whole life trying to be the gender that everybody's telling you you are. Um, you were never that gender, um, you know, emotionally and mentally. It just always felt wrong. And so it's that what what transitioning is, is coming to that realization of what the problem has been your whole life and finally allowing yourself to express that and live as that. And so it's not, I mean, you can look back at photos and see, you know, your past self, like you said, and other people still will dead name you and, you know, call, call you the name you were before and, and the previous pronouns. But the thing to keep in mind is that, you know, this is, this was always our state. It was hard and it was, it was a struggle to try and present the way that people thought we should, or, you know, was, um, congruent with the, the gender we were assigned at birth, but it was just, it was never right. So to look back, you're still seeing that same, you still see the same you, um, but you see somebody who was, was struggling uh, emotionally, had a really hard time figuring out why things didn't fit, why you didn't feel like the other pe people that were you know, just seemed to, I just never understood guys. I never understood the way they thought and all that. And I'm just like, what is wrong with me that I, I just, I don't understand life the way they see it. And, you know, then come to find out later what's, what's going on. And then, you know, as you take hormones and start to present the way that you feel is, is right, then it's just like the, the lights turn on all of a sudden, everything makes sense and you can see the world and, and, and it just makes sense to you finally. So it's not a matter of like feeling that that old self behind. Um, it's just more of a of a self that was that was struggling and trying to f to find itself. And um, so I, I hope that that's a, a better articulation or I hope that's a good articulation of that thought. I was just going to say, like, it's really fascinating to me. It's almost like the nature versus nurture argument, because like, you know, I obviously understand at this point that that gender norms are like imposed upon us, and it's kind of this idea of how you know most people just just don't question it. They just they go along with it, and it seems to be fine for them. Yeah. Um. I mean, you still have like tom by girls, and maybe there'll be some more effeminate guys, but for the most part, 
people just kind of kind of go with it and and it's it's fascinating to me to think that for some people it's just so clear that like no that that's not what i'm supposed to be and and when you like just putting on a certain piece of clothes because clothing is like coded and different things are coded and just to to know and to be able to recognize that you put on a certain piece of clothing or um you know getting called she instead of he or different things and they just it feels different and, and you can kind of tell that that's right for you and i think that that's that's really interesting and, and it, it's really unfortunate that so many people don't like that you can kind of just be like no this is what feels right for me um and and i kind of talked in the episode of my show that's coming out next week uh, we also talked about the the kind of connection between uh, neurodivergence and gender divergence, and and that's uh, an interesting topic as well. Mm -hmm. It's it's tough when you know people start to to talk about uh, religion. Not saying that that's happening in the chat right now, but I'm just saying that like a lot of religious people like to say that you know um, for some reason you know thanks to one translation of the Bible that it that it for some reason says that that being transgender is is wrong or 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 some things, um, but. You know, there's, there's, they like to talk out of both sides of their mouth because, you know, it's just a shell. You know, who you are is the soul inside, and mm -hmm. and the outside is the shell, and it's temporary. And then you'll, you know, you'll you'll move on to God, um, and yet they don't understand that with in terms of being transgender. And that's essentially the I think the simplest way to to describe it is there's who we are, and then there's the shell on the outside, and most times for most people. The shell and the inside are the same and sometimes it's not and so you know like i said because of your outside presentation people assign a certain way of being to you and behaviors and all of that sort of stuff and a set of constraints and you go through your life and you're like okay you buy into that and you try and then it just never works until you realize that no it's just i was just put in the wrong shell and unfortunately, we're not hermit crabs. We can't just, you know, slide out of that one and into another one. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Transgender Show from the Transverse Network. Watch the full video version of the show live Tuesday nights at twitch.tv slash the transverse. And be sure to catch our slate of other great shows there as well. If you love what we're doing and want to support The Transverse, you can do so by visiting patreon.com slash the transverse.